Hey y'all, thank you for tuning in to Mosaic Station, where we hope to agitate and activate for a more just society and world. We're excited to bring the San Jose State Campus, a student-centered podcast operating out of the Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center. Our goal and passion is talking about issues that affect us as students and young people in this crazy world we live in. Uh, today, uh, I'm your host, Michael Ladson, and our guests are... Erica Boas. Um, I'm a faculty fellow here at Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center and also a lecturer. What up, San Jose? This is Christina Lundy, and I'm serving as the interim director of the Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center just for a few more days. I'll have to leave soon. We're very sad. We're very (laughs) sad. We're not going to let her say bye. We're going to talk over her. And today's topic is about multiracial identities. Um, This is something I've been really wanting to talk about for a very long time. Um, um, I come from a multiracial, multiethnic background, and it's just something that, like, in America, it's not talked about. You know, America is always called, like, the great, like, melting pot. But mm-hmm. it's just, you know, with that phrase, we don't talk about the actual, like, uh, population or people that, you know, come from this great, like, melting pot that are, you know, um, multi-ethnic, multiracial. How do you identify, Michael? Um... Growing up, I would just always tell people blatantly uh, my two, and I was kind of guy. I felt like it was a mouthful, so I always identified as like Blasian, just because it was like I, I use that phrase just because I don't like the actual like academic or correct phrase, which is like Afro Asian, um, Blasian. I would, I used to always say that I was like half half black, half Asian, but you know when I would tell people that like I don't actually really think of myself as like a I'm only, like, half a person. Like, I always view myself as a whole person in those two ethnicities. Yeah. I think that's something that has come up for me a lot. Like, how do I respond to people, and and in what context do I respond differently? So um, I'm, I identify as Asian and white. Um, you know, if we talk about biraciality, um, I'm Japanese-American, and... On my mom's side, we're Japanese, and on my dad's side, I'm Dutch Jewish, and so I have these um, these identities that are not necessarily ethnic. Being being Jewish, um, there's always questions around whether that's a religion or an ethnicity. Um, culturally, my dad definitely identifies as being Jewish. Um, religiously, not so much. So I didn't grow up in a Jewish community um, of religious people, but my dad is a Holocaust survivor, so it seems um, that he can definitely make claims to being Jewish without also being religious. Um, I think for me, um, I identify the same as Michael, um, but I think I I would say, yeah, I'm black and Thai, um, and I identify when I say, you know, that idea of being half this or half that. I think that eliminates my whole experience, right? 
um, and, and folks always want to categorize you as half something. And so, yes, I'm black, um, African-American, if you're talking racially, but identify as black um, and, and Asian, uh, specifically Thai, and I'm also Chinese. And so there's a lot of mixture in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's layers to my varied experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of get to talk about this today. What are some of the contexts, like what is a context when you felt like you had to, um, what's the first time I guess that you felt like you had to really think about your, how you are going to represent yourself with respect to your identities? Do you remember? I do. So I grew up in a single parent household. Um, I grew up with my Thai mother who is from Thailand. Um, So it's not that she's just Thai and here in America, she's an immigrant. So I also identify with a very multinational experience. but we went to uh, Vien Dong, which is actually a Vietnamese supermarket, like a really big supermarket. Um, and I remember walking around the store um, and they have those little baby shopping carts. It must have been like four, five, um, walking around and I was putting all kinds of stuff in my shopping cart um, and everybody was looking at me. All of these Asian folks were looking at me and I was like, um, I just want this fish sauce because I know that I'm going to, you know, eat it with my sticky rice. Um, And I remember walking up to my mom and my mom looking at everyone like, what? And I'm like holding my mom's hand. Here here I am, this little black girl with really curly hair. And if you look really closely at me and my mom, we look a a lot Mm -hmm. alike. Um, But here I am just walking by myself and I was getting all these stares and I was like, hmm, something's different. Um, And I remember that vividly. And then Lots of experiences from there, but we're talking about the first time I realized mm-hmm. I was different, and and it wasn't just different from those around me, but it was I realized I was different from my mother, mm. um, and that was a really interesting journey mm. I think to to get started on at that age. Mm. Yeah, that that experience of being different from your parents yeah. is odd. Like your parents. Nobody ever has the same experience in this world, but like I look very Asian. My dad has is light. He has light hair and blue eyes. We look nothing alike, and so um, so it's always I've always had to say that this is my dad. Mm-hmm. Nobody assumed that this was my dad because we look nothing alike, and um, and he, he doesn't have the experience that I have growing up as an as an Asian woman um very Asian looking woman I can definitely relate to that I just remember like you know me and my brother and my sister going shopping with my mom when we were younger going to stores and then you know people asking my mom like you know are we like her adopted children just because you know my mom is Thai so you know we don't really look so much like her uh, compared to like other people or what other people say so a lot of people you know would ask her you know like you know are they adopted and she's like no these are my biological kids I gave birth to them you know Michael especially he's a 10 month year old baby so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so interesting like what I've always you know I, I do this work now right I'm in diversity and social justice work but it's always interesting to me how people have this need to categorize um and, and that's, you know, I think that there's kind of some natural fits to why people do that. But when it comes to you and, like, 
this is just my body mm-hmm. and this is, you know, like I didn't make this decision to, to be here in this way. Um, but it, it's always been just really interesting to hear um, and have an understanding as to why folks really want to know what your lived experience is or kind of like how you relate. It's one of those questions that always comes up, right? Like, what do you most identify with? Um, mm-hmm. Myself? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean... You know, in the United States, where there's being white, there's whiteness, and then there's other, mm-hmm. right? So you, so for me, I've definitely inhabited the category of Asian mm-hmm. American, um, even though I do identify also as being mixed race. I check the box. Asian American if there's one and that's changing it has changed a lot actually over the years um, you know from my earliest memory of having to check the box mm-hmm. but that's always you know kind of like a, a metaphor right for the um, the containment of of race and how we are forced into that's categories <laughs> that's deep how have you experienced checking the box Ah, oh, the infamous checkbox. <laughs> I've always hated it. Um, just even, I just remember going back to, I believe, like, even, like, star testing, like, as a kid, and how, like, it would have, like, like, African-American, like, black, and then, like, Asian Pacific, like, Islander, but then, like, I'd always get confused just because, like, I identify as, like, African-American Thai, and then it's like, only check one, and I'm just like... <laughs> But I'm not just one. Exactly. So I'll just put two just to put it anyway. Someone probably got mad at testing. But yeah, I've always just hated the whole box. Especially like even like going through like the educational system. You know, you're applying for scholarships. You know, people want you to be like, hey, just put black because you're going to get more money. But it's like, yeah, but I'm also like, you know, Asian too. So I'm not going to just, you know, pick just black just because I feel like it's. I'm losing part of, like, my heritage by saying, like, I'm only one. Yeah, that really resonates with me. Um, I, as I've gotten older, I've, I've recognized, regardless of how I identify, the world identifies me in a certain way. And so the world does identify me as a black woman, and I own that, right? I'm, I'm definitely a black woman. I understand, and I continue to understand what that means, Um but when I feel as though I'm forced to pick a categorization that's only one, um, it, it really pains me because, because I was raised by my mother, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel like if I am to only categorize myself as Black African American, then that's only giving credit to the things that my father did in my life, which are great, but... If, if it was not for my Asian mother, if it was not for my Thai and Chinese mother, the strongest person that I know, I would not be the Christina that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the denying of that experience mm-hmm. of my mom um, is really tough. If we're talking about checking boxes, I remember. So I have a sister who is 17 years older than me, and she's actually full Asian. Um, she's Thai, Chinese, and Lao. And I remember her telling my mother as my mother was raising me, it was pretty much me and my mom, um, that you, she had to raise me to be a black woman. And I remember like looking at her like, but y'all ain't black. Like, wh- who cares? Like, I'm mixed, whatever. And, and it wasn't until I got to college that I recognized how the world was going to perceive me and how I was going to have to navigate that would always be through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, just not really, I don't know. It's really interesting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Kind of like layers that you are constantly peeling back, right? People have like this weird like warp like perception. They'll have to force you to like pick a side. Just like um, my unique like experience being a mixed race has been very like weird and I could say odd because like depending where I'm at, people will think I'm a certain race. So like in the Central Valley, you know, I've been told many times that like I look uh, Hispanic, Latin eggs. I can pass as Puerto Rican if like I spoke Spanish. Um, here at San Jose State, all the time I get, like, um, identified or people ask me if I'm Indian. I even had a gentleman speak Hindi to me and ask me if I was Indian. Um, so I've had these very just weird (laughs) experiences because depending, you know, where I'm at, I can pass for, like, such and such. Um, you know, in Thailand, for example, like, a lot of people thought I was, like, full blood Thai just because I look like an just another like dark skinned Thai person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you all had any like experiences where, you know, they passed you off as another race or another thing? Person? Yeah, I can I have had experiences like that. I think I grew up in the Bay Area. Um I'm a child of the seventies and, you know, it's kind of like the height of multiculturalism, right? So I went to I went to schools in San Francisco, daycare and elementary schools that were very different. So the, I was always in, I was a daycare child. My parents, my parents were divorced. Um, my, they both worked. And so I was in, in daycare a lot. And I went to daycares with, um, that were actually very diverse, but majority African-American. So, um, and it was during the time of um, like a lot of focus on on Afrocentrism and the um, the abolishing of apartheid in South Africa mm-hmm. and and that kind of um, um, pan African movement. And so it was really interesting for me to be a part of that. And I knew I wasn't black, mm-hmm. um, but my teachers, so my caregivers, people I was very close to, they were all black. My best friends were actually mixed um, black and white. So those were my best friends that I grew up with. And so I was exposed to and just became sort of part of these communities. But then I went to elementary school, and we know that in schooling, things are very segregated. I actually ended up going to a Japanese bilingual school um, where all my classmates were Japanese and Japanese-American. And so that was actually the first time where I felt like, whoa, I'm different from everybody. So it was kind of strange, right? Because I had already been different from everybody, but I was little. And, you know, my, when you're, I think when you're little, you notice differences. Like I would ask my mom about, you know, black people and I would want to talk about it with my mom. But, but when I was at the Japanese bilingual school, I wasn't speaking Japanese and I was not looking as like the other kids. And so you know, people would look at me and go, oh, you're mixed. Oh, you're part white. And there was a privilege that was afforded that mm-hmm. in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first time I really felt that also. Um, like, people looking at me like, you're so cute, right? Because of, because of being mixed and being closer to white. I think there was this, like, um, fixation on, on that, too, on, on whiteness um, in my elementary school as, as well. Like, a, a whiteness being something good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so those were some of my early experiences. And then when I travel, I'm in, I'm, I can kind of fit in to different places. Like being in Thailand, actually, mm-hmm. um, I'm not Thai, but when I've gone there, people have said, you look like a Thai girl. <laughs> and I was like, really? That's interesting. When I've been in Guatemala, you look like a Guatemalan girl. <laughs> like, you know, and I was a girl back then. Um, <laughs> but so I, I get that, right? You People see you, um, like they, they, they position you in a certain way because of the, how you reflect kind of the population that you're, mm-hmm. that you're in. Um, but people don't necessarily, like in Thailand, they're not going, are you Mexican? Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten here. Mm. Right. A lot of time, like Thailand, it's just like, you're American. Yeah. So I guess that's the first that's time I ever I'm... felt like I am American. Cause like here in America, I don't really feel American. It was not until I left America where I guess I had a feeling what it's, what it is to be American. That's interesting. So when you're in Thailand, people think, oh, say you're American because... Well, they think I'm Thai first just because, you know, you know, just by a quick glance, they're like, oh, okay, like, maybe he's just like a dark-skinned Thai person. But it's not until, like, I speak. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're like, oh, no, you're American. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a lot of layers to that, too, right? Like, I, I go to Thailand and automatically they think I'm American. But then I start speaking the language mm-hmm. and they're like, excuse me, yeah. what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, but not to your face, it's very much like... Oh, you're an American, but I understand them. So I'm like, oh, you're talking about me. Yeah. Um, But to go back to your other question, uh, I forget exactly what the question was, but it made me think of um, when I was a child and actually being in elementary school um, and being teased all the time for essentially being mixed. I had really big, bushy, curly hair. Um, I will never forget there, so I'm, I'm black and Asian, and there was this other girl, Crystal, I will never forget her, um, and she was black and Mexican, and we used to get called all kinds of names, like Weavy Wonder, they used to like pull on our big ponytails, mm. and there was, there was nothing good at that time that I can remember about being mixed, um, mm. except like... I had the best of both worlds when it came to cuisine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just remember like her and I really trying to just stick it out all the time. Mm. But then growing older and that turning into this idea of being exotic. Right. Like, oh, you're exotic. Oh, you're so beautiful. All this stuff. But being really young, and I grew up in a very diverse town. I grew up in a military town. Um, so the mm. families were really mixed, um, intergenerational mixes of families. Um, but there wasn't a lot of multi-ethnic families. There wasn't a lot of mixture in the household, um, but the town was really, really diverse. And so that, that whole understanding of what it meant to be exotic and then like going through um, like middle school and high school and thinking that that was something that was good and then recognizing like this is not okay. And, and now we're putting a, um, what was the word that you used? Kind of like a value and it, it's almost a connection to whiteness again, mm-hmm. right? Like, so now you're closer to being white. You're not exactly this. And so there's a little bit inherent more value to you. Um, and really unlearning that has been a really interesting experience and also, like, really frustrating. Like, why, like, again, this is just my body, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But, but why? There's, there are things that come with that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am noticing, like, a trend in America where 
a lot of people don't consider like people mixed race unless they're you know mixed with Eurocentric mm-hmm. kind of uh, European or like if one of their parents is white you know anything else you're not considered mixed race mm-hmm. I'm, hmm. for those of you at home I'm rolling my eyes but yeah I, <laughs> that's it's so true I'm not rolling my eyes at you Michael but take yeah. It yeah yeah or there's because you're you're other Right, mm-hmm. you're you completely are placed in the category of other, centering white as dominant. Right, so so that's interesting. Um, you know, not being not being recognized for being mixed or for um, that being value, right? Mm-hmm. Value added. Um, that's interesting. This kind of reminds me of um, one of the moments in my life where I really felt the effects of being mixed is that, um, so I grew up, uh, in a place called Calaveras County. It's literally the middle of nowhere in, uh, California. It's about like 45 minutes, like east of Stockton, uh, California, if anyone knows where that is. So I went to a high school called Calaveras High School and, uh, every year they do like a diversity dinner night. And then for my French two class, my teacher's offering like extra credit if you guys go. So we went to, uh, this so my family uh, went to this diversity dinner night, and we were the only like mixed race family. Um, my school, I was one out of six black kids at an all white high school. Um, so when my family like showed up, I mean everyone stared at us at the door just because they have never seen, you know, uh, a black man and an Asian woman before. Like they were looking at my brother and sister and I like we're like abominations. They're just like, how can this happen? Like. You know, they just didn't know, like, mm-hmm. what to classify us. I mean, no one wanted to talk to us, sit by us. So it was just, like, just getting just those stares. You know, people look like they were gossiping, like, about us. You know, we quickly, you know... It was a potluck-type dinner. I mean, everyone ate from our dish, surprisingly. But then we, uh... <laughs> yeah, we, the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you can see, like, where our dish was one of the first dishes gone. So, I mean, we quickly ate our food, you know took our empty dish and then just left just because we didn't like the stairs you know mm-hmm. didn't feel like you know but everybody wants to claim we're in a post-racial society yeah this melting pot right yeah i'm on yeah <laughs> i know it's interesting because i i never had the experience of being with a multi-racial family in that sense like my mom and my dad you know my mom is asian my dad's white my mom got with a Filipino man, my dad got with a white woman, and so when I'm with them, I'm either with an Asian family mm-hmm. or with a white family, and my sister actually looks white. So that's that's like how we, you know, kind of, like there's this fluidity, but whenever, whenever, and you know, that's a whole other topic right how my sister and I look so different and have really different experiences in the world because of it and um, how she's always trying to claim this identity of being of color um, that nobody believes right but anyway so I think that's really interesting because I've never had that experience and even if I did have my two parents together white and Asian especially white man and Asian woman mm-hmm. is an acceptable mix mm-hmm. right it's an acceptable especially I mean in California you know Seattle like you go there and that's yep that's what everybody seems to be doing 
Yes, yeah. That, it just kind of reminds me of growing up. I also, um, I grew up going to a Buddhist temple with my mom. I, don't, I didn't know anything about what it meant to be Buddhist. I was just going there with my mom. Um, and then I got enrolled in Thai dance classes. And so I did Thai dance and I did like the little pageant, Thai pageants. And here's this little black girl, you know. Um, but all of my peers around me, I mean, I, I grew up and I realized all of my peers around me were also mixed but they were all mixed with white. They were Thai and white, and their fathers were all white. Mm -hmm. Again, I grew up in a military town, too, so not only was that common or acceptable, but then you tack on, you know, these were servicemen and women who had gone, servicemen, actually, who had gone to Asia and brought back, you know, Asian wives, and there's a whole gamut of stuff that we can talk about. Yeah. A whole nother show, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Though, like, my parents are, like, still together. It's just... It's kind of awkward just because, like, my family, like, doesn't talk about race or, like, ethnicity. Um, you know, at the end of the day, my parents always taught me, like, your race doesn't matter. You're a good person by the values that we brought you up with. So, like, a lot of times, like, my family, I'm seeing them as the more, like, radical one because, like, I'll mention that, like, hey, like, our family is, like, race and diverse. Like, I'm black and Thai. You know, not, you know, just because we just don't talk about race in my family. And it's kind of like... It's kind of, like, depressing and kind of, like, shameful that, you know, just... They kind of just really, like, steered away from it. You know, growing up, I mean, it was very difficult because, like, my parents were never, like, you're a black person, like, for X, Y, Z reasons. You're, like, an Asian person for X, Y, Z reasons. You know, my family just were very kind of, like... My dad's, um... Was born or was raised Catholic, raised Catholic and then, like, now turned Christian. And then, like, my mom, like was grown up Buddhist, but to be honest, like, she gets a lot of, like, Buddhist values confused with, like, hin- like Hinduism, like, values, so, I mean, that's something else, but yeah. yeah. How, so, after that time, you, um, you went to that dinner potluck, and you, you got those stares that were uncomfortable, did your parents talk about it, or was it like, let's just go? It was just, let's this let's just go I mean I brought it up with my brother and sister but like with my parents no we've never talked about it again I mean even um you know even in America like even in American society like today like it's still like unacceptable um you know interracial marriages uh when my parents actually got married um that's why my dad left the Catholic faith uh because uh his local um church didn't want to allow him to like marry an Asian woman so my dad was like okay well I'm gonna leave the faith because wow. this is the woman like I love so I'm gonna find somewhere else that's gonna marry us so hmm. they end up getting married at a church in Carmel where supposedly Clint Eastwood drove by mm-hmm. I don't know I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah I mean if you're talking about families and, and discussion of race and ethnicity it's never a conversation um I remember I feel like we can go into so many different topics, right? But I remember being 17 and the first time I was actually called the N-word and calling up my father who lives out of the state. Um, and we had never had conversations mm. about race, right? And he's like, oh, I just, I knew that this day was going to come. Mm. And I was like, you didn't tell me. <laughs> what does it mean for me to be black? And what does it mean to then have that intermixed with what my day-to-day experience is walking around? my Asian mom 
Um, but if we're talking about families, right, uh, I have two older siblings, like I said, an older sister, and I have an older brother, both generations older than me, so 70s babies as well, also both born out of the countries. My mm. sister was born in Thailand, and my brother was born in Japan. Um, and we have a very mixed family, um, both on, I guess not primarily on my mother's side. So I have cousins who are married to black men, but like black Germans, black Europeans. Um, I have a cousin who's married to a Russian man. Um, and then my siblings are married to white folks, a, a white man and a white woman. Um, and then I've always wondered, yeah, I love my family, I love my nieces and nephews, but I've always wondered why, what was that? You know, and we, we never talked about race and as you see on the news racial racial incidences keep coming up or I see the experiences and I have conversations with my siblings now I'm the the one that's like doing this type of work and so they never understood it before and now something's happening behind me I cannot not address it you're all <laughs> <laughs> hi back home sorry. sorry they're making gestures and I'm confused um but yeah now just kind of thinking through or having an understanding of like my racial identity and how it plays out in my family and seeing I've always been so happy to say oh I have such a mixture mm-hmm. in my family mm-hmm. you know, like you look at my nieces from my my brother you would you would never be able to really tell like what they're mixed mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. and I think that that's beautiful but I also think that that's interesting because what's what will their experience be my sister's children um, they're Thai, Chinese, Laotian, and white, and, and their father is, uh, he's got red hair and freckles and a big old red beard, and, but when they went to school, and they grew up in the early 90s, when they went to school, um, they got teased because they, they went to school in this city called Del Mar, there's a lot of like rich white families, and they, so they just looked at different, so the kids started to tease them mm. and said that they were the children of the help categorize them in a different way and so they got pulled out and put in homeschooling and so you know we don't I don't remember ever talking about that when I was younger and those kids like my nieces and nephews are like 27 like going to Columbia for their masters and stuff so I don't know different time yeah we probably have time for one more question so um is there something that either of you wanted to ask Is there, like, maybe a way that multiracial, multi-ethnic, multinational identities can be taught or, you know, supported? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say something that I don't want to happen. I don't want multiracial, multiethnic, interracial marriage to become this... Um, like euphemism for the diversity that uh, celebrated diversity that the U.S. is, and I see that happening, um, where you know people are like, "Well, look at all these interracial marriages happening. This is a sign that we're moving toward a post-racial society or a more equal racially toward racial justice." Like that's not to me. That's something that I think is really problematic, mm-hmm. um, and something that you know that. I think this is part of the exotic too, right? Mm-hmm. That celebration of it. I think, um, you know, we have to also talk about. I mean, Christine, I think brought up, um, you know, the like military wives, right? So, military going abroad, um, 
Texas War and then marrying women from the countries that they are fighting in. Um, and, you know, I think that is a relationship of conquest, right? Yeah. We can talk about like colonial conquest and mixed race identities. There, one of the questions that I had put on there was, you know, for example, like why why aren't Mexican why aren't Latinx people considered multiracial mm-hmm. in the United States? And it's because you know we we erase this history. Yeah. Um, and so I think like that's I know you asked for you know, what we can do, but I think that is one of the ways yeah. that we can teach it too. One of the ways that we can talk about it is that it's not. There's no pure celebration mm-hmm. of diversity with with multi ethnic identities or multi ethnic um, family structures necessarily. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think a big thing um, that we have to do is we we do have to have an understanding of what all that terminology is, right? Like what is race and what is ethnicity and then nationalism, whatever. Um, but then centering an understanding of what the lived experiences are of people within whatever racial categories we're utilizing, whatever ethnic categories we're u- utilizing. So although I, as an example, utilizing myself, although I identify as multiracial, multiethnic, I also have to have a centered experience to understand what that, what my categorization of um, blackness means. What are the lived experiences of black folks, what are my lived experiences as a black woman, what are the lived experiences of Asian folks, what are my lived experiences, how do they relate, um, and having, under, having really a strong understanding of what the struggles are in those pieces, and also not just the struggles, but like what is celebrated, what is honored, what is revered, um, and being able to then center myself or whoever is you know doing this not just work, but like understanding who they are or how to explain their identity to somebody else. Um, Are they then centered in why other folks might take offense to your existence, right? You didn't ask for that, but, or why that might be hurtful. Or if we're talking about things like conquest, you know, like it goes deep and and having Mm -hmm. that understanding that it's, it's varied and it's multi-layered and that it's going to go deep and sometimes it's going to be hard, but also like living and existing mm-hmm. and, and recognizing while folks may like it or not like it, I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a pretty awesome. A lot of other people are awesome. You know, like how can we truly move into that, um, that space of, of celebration and honoring? Do you have ideas? I think definitely there needs to be like more talks about it. Um, I don't have any, like, real big solutions, like, right off the top of my head. Just because I feel like there's just, first of all, just not enough, like, talks about it, like, in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think language and vocabulary is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if people if if people aren't talking about it, if it's not, like, a an issue that's being discussed, then we don't develop a shared vocabulary or shared language for talking about um, mixed race people. Uh, Thank you all for listening uh, to Mosaic Station. Um, I'm hoping you enjoyed this topic. Um, Have a good holiday break. Yay, thanks, Michael. This was fun.
Listen, listen carefully. carefully.